Well, hello there, listeners. I'm Lazarus Black, here with another update on what's been going on with this podcast thing. See, the Rogue Valley roleplayers are now an affiliate of BattleBards, an online resource of sound effects, tension tracks, and all sorts of audio goodies to use in your own games and shows. Just head on over to BattleBards.com and check them out. And if you like what you see, be sure to sign up for a Prime membership. And don't forget to use our promo code, RVRPODCAST, when you do. Be seeing y'all. Hello and welcome everyone to the Rogue Valley Roleplayers. My name is Ben. I'm here with Austin, Ed, Rosemary, and Nick. And we're getting ready to play another session of Valley of Famine, a Deadlands Reloaded actual play. Once again, my name is Ben. I am the Marshal. Running the shindig. Herding the cats. Uh, doing all those things that any GM has to do. And you know me, of course. I'm Austin playing Wine on Beardslay, the uh, hobbyist. And I'm Ed. I'm playing the weird scientist Daisy Gilmore, better known as Rail and Daisy because she's been working on the railroad all the live long day. My name is Rosemary. I play Rachel Jane Kennedy. She's an ex-deputy and an ex-hexlinger. I'm Nick S. I'm playing Haru Matsuhara, the harrowed samurai. So the rest of the journey goes by fairly uneventfully until almost the pre-dawn hours. Uh, when you're all woken up or, or alerted as uh, the, the Queen Victoria, God bless her majesty, uh, suddenly starts to shake and roll uh, about and shudder, well, almost like it's in a storm. What does everyone do? Well, Haru was already awake. He only needed the hour of rest. So right. He, he would have gone out on the where he could see the most sunlight and look like what's going on when that started happening. Everyone else? Uh, I think, like, it's pitching. It's pitching. It's like it's a ship in a storm. Rachel kind of, like, falls out of bed as it, you know, pitches to the side, and then she scrambles up and gets dressed and grabs her weapons. Okay. That's up on deck. Well, Daisy was definitely asleep. Oh, yeah, give me, uh, um, notice roll at negative four. Okay. I think uh, Wynon was snoozing in the chair after he drank some liquor, and so he's a little bit booze still when he wakes up. Okay. Alright, just because I got a Benny, I'll try rerolling that. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, that's a 13.9. Alright, yeah, you wake up. Alright. Like, yeah, I get like kind of tossed out. I'm like, God damn it, Rachel, I'm awake! Oh, wait. Oh, I'm still falling around. 
Um, yeah, you all hit, get up to the deck. Uh, the the moon is clouded. There's definitely storm clouds all around, and there's a strong wind that's that's just uh, buffeting the, the Queen Victoria. God bless her Majesty. <laughs> uh, back and forth from all over the place, and you see uh, the professor is at the helm, trying to keep her under control, and Gregory is running about doing sh- airshipy things. Um, I don't know where this, this this gale came from. It's just out of nowhere, almost. Everyone, tie yourselves down, please, or get back below deck. Haru quickly ties himself down, because he just prefers being on top of the deck. Is there anything we can do to help? Yes! Don't get in the way! Yeah, Rachel will grab, like, a nearby rope and tie herself to the mast. Alright, I'll go below decks. Okay. Yeah, I think Wynan's kind of, like, stumbling on the steps, and he's like, uh, uh, yes, below decks. Yeah, probably the tossing and turning, if you're, you're still boozed out a little bit, it's just not a good mix. Oh. Uh, I think Malcolm comes up on deck as well and starts trying to fumble with a rope. Is he close by? Can I help him with it? I was about to say, Haru. Sure. Which of you wants to assist him? Because he's definitely, like... I am picturing Rachel kind of, like, by the center mast with, like, a rope tied around her waist and then tied to the mast. She's not strapping herself to the mast, but, like, a line No, I I gotcha. Haru tied himself to one of the edges. So whoever he's closest to. I I don't care. Whoever wants to do it. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah, you, you run over and you help him. And he's, at first he's going to be like, no, I got it, I got it. Okay, you know, I don't got it. Thanks. You tied that knot securely, right? Oh, oh yep, yep. And what yes, about, uh, <laughs> what about <laughs> Annie and Frank? Uh, yeah, I think Annie and Frank come up on deck, um, and they quickly find lines and tie themselves off as well, and they're just trying to... Um, keep an eye on what's going on, try to figure out where this weird storm came from. It's not raining. So is this windy? It's just windy and there's clouds. Thick clouds. Everyone go ahead. Everyone who's up on deck, make a notice roll. Five. Uh, nine. Alright, you both hear a familiar sound. A familiar buzzing sound. Much louder than the last time you heard it. Rachel's gonna kind of do the side look with Haru, you know, like, oh. And then she's gonna call out to Fitz at the wheel and just be like, hey, Fitz! You know, because she's yelling over the wind. What? Have you dealt with pirates before? I'm sorry, I, I think the wind may have gobbled your words. What did you say? Have you dealt with Pirates! Before! You know we're 300 feet up in the air. What about airship pirates? Oh. Yes, I suppose those do exist. No! No, I haven't! Tell... (laughs) You're about (laughs) And as you say that, uh, bursting out of the clouds, you see uh, the tempest. Um, the, the dark storm clouds just billow and the tempest comes through and it is massive. I don't think your characters ever saw it. Daisy, your character definitely saw it. And at this point you can probably hear the buzz of the propellers 
uh, down below decks where you're at. You, you all can. Um, the Tempest is probably a good 60 to 100 feet above where the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, <laughs> is, is at. And it's this massive, the, the hull of it resembles uh, a more modern warship um, with uh, an aerodynamic nose to the craft. Uh, there's an open flight deck, uh, though you probably wouldn't know it as a flight deck, but it's, it's smooth and open. Um, there are turrets uh, along the sides of the craft and then also along its belt. So it's and a flying aircraft carrier. Basically, it looks like a, a combo of a B-17 and an aircraft carrier. Um, but it's got these, these huge wings that come out with massive props all along it. And then along the flight deck, it's got a bunch of other like helicopters. And probably also the turn is foreign to these, but there's vertical propellers that look like they're helping sustain this flight. I should say, this thing dwarfs Queen Victoria. God bless the majesty. <laughs> I mean, it fits his ship. What does he do? Does he spin it away? Uh, yeah, I think he, he hits uh, a lever or something, and, and the Queen Victoria, God bless her majesty, <laughs> dives. Rachel's so glad she tied herself to the mass. Yeah, you feel... Yeah, everyone kind of... You know, you, you lose your balance maybe a little bit. Yeah, she like maybe slides along the deck and grabs onto the rope to... Herself. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, <laughs> dives further down, and the the tempest just keeps going. And this the the clouds uh, they kind of flow in its wake. And then uh, the the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, <laughs> gets uh, about. 40 to 50 feet over the above the, the ground level and, and starts coasting along. Um, and Fish is like, Good lord, what was that? Airship pirates. Is the wind still going then, or are we out of it's, that? You're out of that, it's uh, calmed down. Uh, she's just going to gesture at her. What he said. Airship pirates? What a novel idea. How barbaric. That's a ugly craft too. Yeah, we've. Uh, well, we want to know that it was necessarily the ones from the train. No, so no, so I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like, it's not the first time maybe, we've encountered. I, well, I didn't see it just now, so maybe you came back on deck when you, you heard the, the the buzz of the propellers, like maybe right after. Um, the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, <laughs> leveled out. You got up and you kind of saw the Tempest uh, heading okay. in a northerly direction. Like, that was the Tempest. That was the same folks that attacked us on the train. Oh. Oh. Wait. So the unruly chap with the chainsaw for a hand. Yeah. I am sorry. You said what now? You don't have a leg to stand on there, Fitz. You got a gorilla for a butler. <laughs> don't know how to respond to that statement. I would never do anything so barbaric to Gregory unless he absolutely needed it. (laughs) No, Gregory, I'm not going to give you a chainsaw for a hand. You've got a perfectly good one. I'm not going to cut it off, Gregory. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel's just like, see? (laughs) Now they attacked us on the train coming into 
Salt Lake City. So, yeah, it's still called Salt Lake City, though, right? Uh, yes. It's still called Salt Lake City. It's nicknamed the City of Gloom, but not by any of the, the Mormon residents. I kind of resent that name. We were we met them coming into Salt Lake City on the train. Oh, why? What what interest would they have with a train? We wanted to rob it, since they're pirates. So they're they're train robbers, not airship pirates. Well, they have airship, and they rob from people, and they, uh, you know, announce themselves as some part of crew. Okay, fine. These two things can't exist together. Not tough concept. <laughs> You've never encountered them before in all of your flights? Well, um... Wait a moment. How many times have you flown this ship? I flew the Queen Victoria, God bless Her Majesty, <laughs> from London, England, across the Atlantic, stopped off at New York, made quite a scene there, made it in the papers even, and then flew further west, and then got caught in a, a freak storm with uh, a mountain, and crash-landed not too far outside of Salt Lake City, got some help, managed to acquire a warehouse, and started repairing the Queen Victoria. God bless her majesty. <laughs> a freak storm like the freak storm that we were just in? No. I don't want to talk any more about that. Well, I guess you're one lucky SOB then. Sure. Is why not on deck at this point, or is he still down below? You hear kind of a weak voice from down below say, I spilled something on your floor, I'm trying to clean it up. Oh, no, no worries, Gary. <laughs> shuffles down the stairs. <laughs> 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 Completely <Boy>. disgusted. <laughs> Something he was talking about was vomit. Yeah, <laughs> he threw up. <laughs> you probably hear some some gorilla esque retching. <laughs> oh God! Don't do that. <laughs> Malcolm, this guy standing there like, holy shit! Did you see the size of that thing? I don't mean the vomit. <laughs> It was a very large ship. Are they still going off? They're starting to dwindle out of sight, and they're moving at a pretty good clip. They're also moving in the same direction you were moving. Where do you think they're going? My guess would be Salt Lake City. Lots of people to rob leaving there. We saw many airships, as you remember. Lots of rich, wealthy people. Alright, and you continue on through the night. Um, try to, those of you who need to sleep, try to get rest as best you can. And by uh, late morning the next day, you arrive back in Salt Lake City. What's left of Salt Lake City? No. Oh, okay. I mean, it's still all there. Was the ship there? The Tempest? You do not see the Tempest, no. Fitz, did you happen to keep track of where the... Tempest veered off. No, once she, she went out of sight, I couldn't keep track of her now. Great. Although that would be a fascinating thing. A device that could detect things out of sight. Hmm. Rachel and Ben, it's own R. Uh, 
Listen, uh, Professor, I'd like to give you my card. If you're ever in need of work, let me know. I'm a bit of a hobbyist. I can always use someone ingenious. Okay, sure. I will gladly take your card. Yes, uh, that's a telegraph number on the bottom there. Uh, feel free to use it should you find yourself a little low on funds. Of, of course. Gregory, get ready to send a telegram. Yeah, you land back at uh, Professor uh, Fitzgerald's warehouse. Uh, the the roof opens back up in the, the Queen Victoria. God bless Her Majesty! Uh, gracefully um, and dignifiedly lands down in the airbag starts to deflate. Gregory does his best to bundle it up as it deflates down. I'm glad that patch held that long, Gregory. Very good. We'll have to improve it. Oh. You didn't hear that. Um, you know what? Everything turned out okay. I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm not. I am, however, going to step outside. <laughs> Yeah, everyone disembarks. You get your stuff. Annie and Frank uh, disembark. Um, and uh, she's got that uh, big satchel full of money that she brought with her just in case. Um, so, well, here's the payment. Hey, uh, thank you all so much for helping rescue Frank here. I can't take any money from you, Annie. Oh, no. Rachel, take it. She'll hand it over to, like, you three, but Rachel won't take any money from her. Well, well, thank you, Annie. Good working with you again. Of course. It was good to see you again, Daisy. How long is the circus going to be in town for? Oh, probably only a couple more days. Salt Lake City hasn't proved to be overly friendly to uh, the circus probably be moving on fairly soon. But, uh, I'll see if I can convince old Bill to maybe head on up your way in, in, uh, Jacksonville. Sure would have liked to have a shot with ya. Well, there's still a little bit of time, ain't there? Okay, got a couple days. Well, Frank and I are gonna get back to the, the circus and rest up a bit. I'll come by and see you before you head out. All right. Mr. Matsuhara, it was a pleasure to meet you. Simple bow. Mr. Beardsley? Indeed. Yep. It's It's been something. A good day to you, sir. I expect I will. And, uh, yeah, they will leave. Malcolm's kind of standing there awkward, like, I don't know what to do with myself. How much did we get again? Uh, there's $20,000 in that bag. You know, I've managed to save up a little extra this year. Uh, perhaps I'll save enough for lunch, but the rest of this can go to you. Um, I am without employment any further since we got to... We stopped in... Champagne, right? Champagne. Yeah, you know, we still have Lan Hui's mission to try to find out. I'm looking for my daddy and all that. So we're 
technically kind of still under her employ. But I need to worry about my finances for when I get home, so I will be taking some of Annie's money. You should take my share of her room. We could use it to maybe buy one of those ships. One of those flying ships. You haven't already had enough of your fill of that? No. I am deeply uncomfortable with airships. There's a whole new way to travel now that isn't the rails. I share Mr. Matsuhara's feelings on that. Look, I know... We're supposed to split this money, but I didn't. I didn't really do too much. Not much use as a gun hand, no more. You defended Annie. No, Malcolm. Yeah, you defended Annie. Well, <laughs> you weren't there. You were not there. Uh, Annie did a lot more defending than me. You stood by her, though. You know, Malcolm. I think I'll skip lunch today. Yeah, I'll just take a f- couple hundred, cover my finances, and get me by to the next job. It's uh, all the same to all of you. Malcolm, if you're in town for a while, you could stick around with us. You, uh, you sure about that? Mm. Keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer and all. Ah, yeah, I probably deserve that. Well, um... I mean, she says that, but, like, the reality is she's using that as, like, an excuse to, like, if you wanted to, you could stay with us. Like, an offering of friendship. Where are you all staying? Now we all kind of look over at Daisy. But, well, uh, we've made some powerful friends around here. and Yeah, so we're staying as guests of the Ottoman Empire. Malcolm's just staring at his jaws dropped like, Okay, <laughs> did not expect that answer. Ah. Uh, up to you. How did you land that gig? Uh, um, we helped the Ottomans on the train we were on. Remember those air pirates you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we saved them from them. Oh, well, that's, that is certainly one way to do it. That sounds like a good paying gig. I don't suppose you'd be willing to put in a, a good word for old Malcolm. I know... I don't shoot quite the same, but I'm still useful. Wouldn't offer, I didn't mean it. Well, all right, thank you. What about you, Mr. Beardsley? Where are you staying? He's with us. Was he staying at the... Oh, where are you now? I don't think we actually established that. I don't think we actually established that, but I imagine that you have finagled something. Yeah, um, I don't know if he has something necessarily in the embassy, but I think in town he's got... He's got a nice place. A safe house or something. one place. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, you know, I travel, and I've got a place here or there. Uh, Please don't worry about me. Things are handled. Rachel's just gonna like this guy. I don't even know what to make of him. She's well, I you handled yourself better than I thought you would in that fight. Let me say that I am utterly impressed with your performance, especially in such a situation that we were put into. Uh, I caught a thing or two that was interesting to my ears, but we'll leave it lie for now. I have some research to do. You know, my hobbies. Right. Your hobbies. I don't like him. I don't trust him. He makes me uncomfortable. I like you. I'm so glad that 
appreciation for other people does not have to be mutual. Oof. Ooh. I feel uh, a little heat from that one. Uh. You remind me of some people I knew back in my homeland. They were duplicitous, always. You'll come to understand that I'm honest in my own ways. But if you'd like to work with me, I am available. I'll be in town for a while. Uh, you seem like the sort to get into trouble. And I feel like our short time together has taught me more than I expected. Let me be clear. I am willing to work with you. Even duplicitous men have their uses. Just don't expect me to share my life story with you. Very well. Perhaps one day I'll weasel some more details out of you about this cardinal in Oregon, but I can recognize when I've beat a dead horse. Consider that matter beaten, then. I'll keep in touch. And he waves and kind of like walks out into the crowd. I see you like picture him like, I'll be in touch. And then he just like vanishes into the smoke. <laughs> Turns into a ghost. <laughs> I, think does, I, I think what it is is it's one of those things where like, you know, you see him waving and then as he goes into the crowd, oh, yeah. somehow you just lose track of yeah, him. Yeah, like someone crosses in front of him and then when they cross, he's gone. Like the wagon or whatever in front. Starts just like cursing and muttering in Japanese. That like. is a odd man. So you return to the ambassadorial suite. You get out of the uh, the filth uh, and smog of junkyard, uh, which for those of you living, it's not having a great effect on your lungs. Oh, that's the thing I want to buy—the lung protector thing. Yeah, which are pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, they're very affordable for everybody here. Uh, I'm gonna buy some expensive cologne and get my clothes washed. Yeah, at this point, your your clothes are all probably pretty stained and ratty and, and whatnot. You've been through quite a bit. Yeah, um, I'm just getting a new shirt at the very least. You you get back to the ambassadorial suite and you see uh, the ambassador's bodyguard, uh, Bahir uh, Riz bin Kazim, uh, the one-eyed uh, guy. Uh, he's walking out of the ambassador so he looks like he's kind of in a hurry and he stops short when he sees and says ah where have you been in a very thickly accented voice we were helping an associate of Rachel's something wrong yeah something's wrong the ambassador has been attacked he was wounded when last night what time is it right now uh it's probably afternoon Wounded, not. Not killed, no, but your, uh, your friend here, Ms. Gilmore, we need her fantastic devices of healing. She needs healing? Yes, immediately. Well, let's see what I can do. Quickly, this way, thank you. Is Malcolm with us? Yeah. And, uh, Reese's one eye shifts over to him and is, is, and kind of slowly goes to the hilt of his pelige. And, and he's just like, who is this? He is an associate of ours. He has... He is 
a trained professional looking for work. I've worked with him before. Ah, well, when the ambassador is well, I will certainly ask. I intend no offense, but quite frankly, we have already too many foreigners working for us in what is proving to be a very hostile environment. We understand. Come, quickly. And he leads you to the uh, Ottomans suite of the ambassadorial building, the embassy, and you see the the ambassador is uh, laying there in his bed. He's bandaged up a bit, and Apollo is, uh, is there fussing ineffectually over him. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Where is he hurt? He does not need your your baubles and and uh, charlatan acts. He's fine. I have I have cared for the ambassador. He don't look fine. I was told that he needed some help, and I can provide such help. You were told wrong. Is the ambassador uh, conscious? Uh. So so. Does he seem to? Be listening to this? Apollo's the doctor. Have an, yeah, the incompetent doctor. Haru leers at Apollo, looks at the the ambassador. You should be willing to accept any form of assistance. You are letting pride get in your way. I don't rightly know who you think you are to tell me my business. And then uh, he actually, uh, Reese kind of steps forward. He'd fallen back to keep an eye on Malcolm and, well, his only eye, and maybe talk to him a little bit, get a feel for who he is. Um, he, he catches up with everyone, kind of steps forward and roughly cuffs Apollo with the back of his hand. He's like, you imbecile. They can help. Let them through. Stand aside. And, yeah, he hits him hard enough that Apollo just, like, drops to the floor and then kind of crawls out of the way, clutching at his, his face. Taken aback by that and just goes, was that necessary? Had we tried to talk it out, we'd still be standing here. You, please. All right. Now, where's he hurt? Uh, you go over to him and you see that he's got a gut shot, actually. No, it's just like, it's definitely past the golden hour and all that. Yeah. So. Okay. So, yeah. Assessing his injuries, which I don't know what I need, like a healing roll first. Sure. So let's, let's see where he's at. Oh, I got a five. Did he scramble out of the room? Yeah, well, not out of the room, but to like the other side of the room. He's skulking and sulking there. Are there other people in the room, like other guards? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I yeah I got a five on the roll, and I just want to assess like how like because I have modifiers like greater healing, crippling injuries, stuff like that. Which What'd costs you get? a lot more power. I got a five. You got a five. So, uh, it's. I'm sorry. What what do you need to do? Uh, well, I just want. It's more. There's like time constraints on how long it's going to take and power points usage. Okay, let me take a look here. I assume I'm doing at least greater healing. I was gonna have to say that Haru is keeping a very close eye on Apollo. He, he he he's not very trusting of this man who s- seems to be a absolute simpleton when it comes to medical the medical profession. Uh-huh. He he knows all too well that a common assassination technique is to disguise oneself as a doctor. 
almost like he's a doctor in disguise. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, he's like, he's, I'm like, I don't, I, this guy yeah. just rubs me the wrong way. I hope that is true because then when you retrospected back, it was two people who aren't doctors both trying to pretend to be doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, it's just going to be a greater healing role. Okay. Um, but, so you're assessing this, um, not to uh, further Haru's suspicions here, but yeah, this was not very well dressed. Yes, it was yeah. a fake doctor. I, I tried to order a fake doctor to be a better doctor, and it didn't work. No, it didn't work. All right, well, let's make the roll first. And like, then... maybe this guy's position is, you know, uh, um, a case of nepotism where someone, you know, a, a higher-ranking family member basically paid money to be like, oh, yes, he's a court doctor. He's gone to medical school. Um, but, I mean, you, you don't know that for sure. You just know that, like, yeah, this is this was a shit job. Like, oh. like... We'll he didn't even dig the blurst. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, here goes... Are you trying to poison him with lead poisoning? <sighs> I wasn't. The man who shot him did. If this doesn't work, I'm going to be in trouble. Oh, is that Oh, that guy? looked really bad for a second. But it turns out to be a 13. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> perfect. You uh, you heal him like the, the wound spits the, the bullet out and, and just like there's no scar. Yeah. <laughs> Then I'll, I'll turn to, I don't know, someone who I think is one of trust them, like, that's not the doctor. And they'll be like, yeah, this doctor is not good at his job. Okay. Yeah, He's not, like, we probably turn to, to Reese. Yeah. I am aware. He has failed to treat any of my men from the, the fight on the train. What do they need treating? They, uh, they are recovering. They'll okay. be fine. Good. Why do you keep him around? He's... That's not quite no my good. call. It's politics. I am just a soldier. Well, get to the specifics of the attack. Did you see who shot the ambassador? Yes. It was more of those pirates. Pirates? From the train? The train, yes. They uh, came in in the early hours of the morning, broke through the windows, and and attacked. They seem determined to come after you for some reason. Yes, I'm thinking the uh, train robbery was, well, not exactly that. I think it was an attempt on the ambassador's life. And I intend no offense, but I think it has been quite a coincidence that the three of you were there to intervene. intervene. What is your business again in Salt Lake City? Original return to Daisy. We're here working for the Iron Alliance, Iron Dragon. Iron Alliance isn't for another 200 years. <laughs> Iron Dragon. The Railroad. Here. Yes, and I've also come here to look for my father. And 
just here as Daisy's friend. I am here for Daisy as well. Make uh, persuasion rolls. Everybody? Uh, just one of you. Well, I'm not that good at it. He's only picking up a D4 himself. There you go. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, one warrior to another, you kind of, you look him in the eye. (laughs) And uh, you manage to, you know, like convey that level of like, we're not lying. We're honest. And uh, he satisfied nods his head. On an old soldier's honor. We are here for only Daisy's father and for working with the Iron Dragon, as she said. Then it seems like maybe you are the only people I can trust with the ambassador's safety. Will you... Will you help me keep him alive through these talks and back home? I cannot speak for the rest of them. But while we are here, we will do what we can. Thank you. The... These people here, the... the these Deserets, are holding some sort of party with some of the other ambassadors and our ambassador has been invited to attend I ask on his behalf that uh, you join us and keep an eye out it seems like a perfect time for assassins to strike again I agree a party? a fancy party? yeah I would presume so I just brought a whole bunch of nice clothes before so I can represent Iron Dragon, and this is great. I get to wear them! <laughs> Haru is immediately uncomfortable being around a lot of people, especially since he knows that he's going to have to be overdoing it on the cologne, and he's just kind of like... Um... Don't worry, I'll get us through this. Oh, no, God, I will... No, I, if anybody has a mind for high society... <laughs> not you. Hey, you don't know my story. Didn't you say you owned a farm? That doesn't mean I didn't go to parties. High society parties? Okay, maybe it wasn't high society, but in the South, there's still etiquette and ways of dealing with people, and you gotta know which fucking fork to use. just to learn how to use a regular fork. And also, you can't wolf it down like you do. You gotta eat it nicely. Delicately. Trying to, like, talk quietly, you know. Don't unhinge your jaw. Where's this party at? Uh, it is, um, he he gives you, like, like it's part of, like, within the, the government building area. Um, the Will be uh, two evenings from now. Uh, I thank you, Ms. Gilmore, for helping the ambassador. I'll see to it that he rests. I will yeah. keep it, my eye on him. Keep this moron away from him as much as possible. 
I shall see to it. And uh, Apollo, you know, kind of sputters. He's still like holding his jaw. He probably has a fat lip from where he got cuffed. Um, and it's just like, how dare you, sir? Intimidation roll, just to kind of like glare him down. He sniffles and then and breaks eye contact first and, and kind of is like, I must see to some of my other patients. <clears throat> and flounces out of the room. I'd like to follow him discreetly. Okay. Roll a stealth roll. Rachel's gonna just kind of give you a nod and slip out of the room, like... Indicating to you that she's just gonna kind of see where he's off to. Four. All right. You follow him uh, down the hall, um, and he he goes to a room, and you kind of like you get a quick peek in. You can see like this is where some of the the retinue are being lodged. Um, some of the soldiers, so they don't they they get like a, a, a nice barracks, but it's, it's not like your characters are getting like their own little suites, right? Um, and he's like going going you know from soldier to soldier and checking some of their bandages and stuff. Some of those who are wounded. Okay, he's not saying anything. No. All right. I mean, I, he's conversing with his patients, but he's not really saying anything of note. Just like, you know, does it, how is your feeling? Does it hurt? Um, is there like a place I can kind of stand close by, like keep an eye on the door without getting immediately spotted if you were to come out? Like Give a, me another stealth roll. Like a potted plant or something? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, she wants to see what he's up to. This seems like a really shitty doctor to be doctoring an ambassador. That's a six. Twelve. Uh, Twelve and five is seventeen. You are one with the potted plant. You are the potted plant. There there wasn't a potted plant there. You just fake a potted plant so well you look like one. Your arms like this. I think to myself, what would Wynon do in this situation? And then... (laughs) What would Wynon Wynon do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of just want to see if he leaves the hotel, like the the, um, embassy, then I would want to follow him. If he's just like checking on his patients and then going back to his room... I might wait around for a while and see if he goes anywhere, but if not, then she'll probably head back. He's in there with his patients for a little while. Oh, okay. Um, and, and you're, you know, you're lurking there, and you see Malcolm Locke come walking down the hallway. Uh, about the same time, uh, Apollo comes walking out of of the the infirmary. Since I got really... a raise, can I just like snatch Malcolm behind like the plant with me to sure. like get him out of sight? Sure. Yeah. He's. <laughs> He's walking like he's not really paying a whole lot of attention to what's going on. He's, you know, playing with his coin all of a sudden. Yeah. What? Get me down, Malcolm. What the fuck are we doing? We're whispering on Ben's podcast. No kidding. (laughs) But what are we doing in game? 
No, we're following this, this doctor's up to something. He's a he's no doctor. Okay. I want to know what he's up to. Okay. So we're following him. Why is it a we now? Because you're here. And, uh, yeah, Apollo goes walking past you, doesn't even notice, in spite of your whispering and, and Malcolm's yelp. Come on, Malcolm, I need you to watch my back while I follow this guy. Okay! Which is a lot coming from Rachel, considering the last time she trusted him to watch her back. Yeah, and so it's much more of the tension in his, okay, is less than, like, I don't, I don't have trigger fingers anymore, and just like, oh, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I would like to continue to follow the doctor stealthily, if possible. Yeah, I think with you Malcolm can. You, f- you follow with Malcolm in tow. Malcolm's trying his best to be stealthy. He's probably actually, like, skillfully, he's probably better than Rachel is. Double check here. Um, yeah, Rachel's going. not very stealthy. She only has a D4. <laughs> Scooby Doo music. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, he has a whopping D6 in stealth. Nice. So we're both super stealthy. Super stealthy. You're you're carrying uh, the stealth check here, okay. <laughs> and um, eventually Apollo comes to another door and pulls out a key, opens it, and goes in. Closes the door behind Closes him. Closes the door behind him. Do we get like a glimpse of the room beyond? Is it like notice roll minus two? A, like a hotel room. Okay, yeah, you don't catch a glimpse. You're, you're having a trail too far behind to make sure he doesn't, like, hear you or anything. Okay. So once he shuts the door then, Rachel's going to kind of creep quietly up to the door and just press her ear against it to see if she can hear anything okay. going on in the room. Uh, well, do you speak Greek? I do not. Yeah, you hear an unfamiliar language. And 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 a very angry muttering in, in said unfamiliar language. But there's one voice? One voice, yes. She'll give the door like a suspicious glance and then back away slowly. Malcolm's like, okay, now I think what? She'll back away from the door and then like kind of move discreetly a bit down the hall and just say to Malcolm, like, there's something up with that doctor. Keep an eye on him. Okay. Uh, I can do that. I'll do that. Uh, yeah. No one doctors an ambassador who's that incompetent at their job. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty shady. I don't know how this Ottoman Empire thing works, but... Um, I'll go see if I can find a potted plant. <laughs> I'm going to go find the others. Okay. Uh, Daisy, I think at this point you've probably returned to your room. Okay. And you find a message waiting for you. Oh, from whom? From Black Ridge uh, Industries. Oh. Okay says, uh, uh, Ms. Gilmore, we have received your correspondence, and we invite you to come down at your leisure to our factory to view our production line. Uh, we're quite certain you will be pleased with uh, our products and the quality therein, and we look forward to doing business with you and, by extension, the Iron Dragon. Signed, Elysian Cordova. Elysian Cordova, huh? All right. 
Uh, any time to come down or just whenever? Whenever. Okay. Like, it probably gives, like, their operating hours. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Rachel, you probably come knocking on Daisy's door. Yeah. So, yeah, she'll, like, come up and knock and be like, Daisy? Hey, Rachel. What's up? Uh, she'll come on in. Uh, how's it going? Well, I got this letter here. A letter? Yeah, from the Black Ridge Industries, and, well, they're finally giving us a tour. Oh, good. I mean, it's still afternoon. Okay. Well, I think we should all like, get our group together and head on down there, or? Right now? Well, maybe, you know, this afternoon, or maybe go tomorrow. I know some people talk about shopping. Harwell said he needs some nice clothes. I'll have to get some, yeah, nicer clothes for this party we're going to attend, but I suppose we could go take the tour now. Or just go in the morning, either one. Follow that doctor for a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's up with him? Uh, he went and checked on some of the men. He went to his own room, I think. I don't trust him, though. I feel like he's up to something. Well, he's not up to doctoring, that's for sure. Yeah, any damn fool who doesn't know anything can bandage somebody, and he just didn't even really do that. Yeah, I told Malcolm to keep an eye on him, and I think it would be wise if we all did. Definitely. Definitely. What time is it? Noon. Noon? Suppose we could go take the tour now, check with Reese, and let him know that we'll be out for a little bit. Hopefully the ambassador won't get attacked again. I'll go see if what Haru's up to. Yeah, you uh, you collect Haru, uh, and you inform Reese, who's a little exasperated. Up, I mean, up to you, mm-hmm. Daisy. Well, how does Haru feel about this? Want to go now, or you were gonna go collect Haru from his room? Yeah, so I went and found you basically, and okay, well, we met up with Daisy. His room is his door is open a crack. And he's inside, and he's got his shirt off, and he's reapplying bandages over his gaping wound. That, yeah, yeah, you Rachel. Taylor, didn't you? Yeah, so he's he's trying to cover that up, and he's gonna wear like long sleeve shirts and stuff when the tailor measures him and whatnot. Rachel pauses at the door as she like watches, like buying your death wound, and then uh, she'll kind of. Um, like, how close is he to finish binding his wound? He's just about close. Oh, okay. It was going to say, if he's not, then she would have, like, backed away discreetly and, like, left and come back later. But, um, since if you're almost finished, she'll just kind of discreetly tap, you know, on the door. Just a minute. Pulls the shirt back on, puts some puts some gloves on, because he's not sure who's at the door. Yeah, she'll call and say, it's, it's me, her. Come in. Finishes putting on a glove. Did Daisy come with me though? Yeah, I was oh, okay. I figured I'd stay with you. So she'll say, it's us. How can I help you? Daisy got a letter. Oh. Yeah, we got our we got a, a ch- an opportunity to tour the uh, Black Ridge Industries facilities. Give me an opportunity to see more of this 
outlandish city. Uh, when would you like to go? Well, anytime. You got stuff going on this afternoon, or? I do not have anything yet. I was going to go find a tailor so I can get some fine clothes. Mine are a little uh, traveled one. Yeah, I picked up some before this mission, so. For the party and all. Another thing, so. I didn't think to care that much about it due to um, prevailing circumstances. Yeah. I also need some fine clothes. So you go out to uh, to where the factory is. You make your way um, back into Junkyard. And again, there's that smog and all that crap. And uh, you get to the factory. It's this, this huge uh, building. It takes up like an entire block, uh, which it's not the biggest factory in Junkyard. But it's decent sized, and you know there's a steel wrought sign that says Blackridge Industries over the door, and there's like uh, huge double doors big enough to fit like a large steam wagon, and then set into that is like a smaller man door. Okay, and I'm definitely wearing one of my nice suits right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you open the door and you walk in. You are in like a small reception area, but it's not like closed off from the rest of the factory, so you see the production line. And there's uh, a bunch of people working machinery, and it's it's deafening in here. The sound of uh, clinky machinery, uh, fires going, ghost rock, uh, boilers doing their thing, screaming away, uh, stamp of metal, um, molten metal being poured, and you know this whole production thing. They're making just a bunch of stuff. It's hard to keep track of. Is there like sparks happening in places oh, yeah. for no reason? Absolutely. It's a full-on steampunk factory. And uh, you stand there for like a minute or two, and then uh, a very well-dressed young woman, couldn't be more than 19 years old, uh, comes walking up. She's got uh, uh, golden blonde hair that she's got like tied back in a neat sort of uh, bun. Maybe a little more complicated than that, but not by any much. Um, she is, uh, she's, she's wearing pants, uh, so she's got, like, uh, nice, almost formal clothes, but more appropriate for being in a factory. Yeah. With it's lots of... So, like, yeah, because I'm kind of wearing, like, a pants suit, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, something safe to, to be worn, um, in a factory with lots of flammables all around, sparks and shit, but also presentable. Uh, she was walking up... Hello, yes. Uh, how can I help you? Hi, I'm Daisy Gilmore, here representing the Iron Alliance for Iron Dragon. Yes, Ms. Gilmore. Uh, Alicia Cordova. Um, pleasure to meet you. I received your, your correspondence. Uh, I understand the Iron Dragon is interested in purchasing more of our rail drivers. Yes. Excellent. Um... Come, let me uh, give you a tour of the factory. Uh, I regret that my father is uh, currently unavailable to uh, to speak with you. 
but I can uh, speak with full authority for the affairs of Black Ridge uh, Industries. Excellent. Well, let's take a look at what you got. All right, and she gives you a tour of the place, and she talks about the products they make. There's a bunch of different things in there from really small, minor things like alarm clocks uh, to steam wagons. There's a new top-of-the-line steam wagon. It's much more... uh, Streamlined, uh, aerodynamic, less cumbersome. Uh, we have veered away from that uh, uh, stagecoach look, and you're seeing like early Model T style, like cars being assembled and put together. These are a lot more aesthetically pleasing than those old buggies. Yes, uh, I would agree. Uh, and over here is the rail driver. Uh, or, or the production line for the rail driver, and you see, you know, automatons like assembling these things. Mm-hmm. So, what does it look like? It looks an awful lot like your father's design. Maybe slightly different, but definitely uh, the difference of retro engineering, not of independent uh, invention. Okay, so they. Alright. Well, can we see how one of these works? Absolutely. Um, here, we've got a production model, that, uh, or a, a demo a demo model available. Um, she walks over to uh, another area of the, uh, the factory, away from all the, uh, the production machinery and stuff, and uh, looks over at Haru and says, Would you care to demonstrate? It's far too cumbersome for me to handle, unfortunately. Sure. What, what am I doing? Hold here. And uh, aim. Uh, and there's like a, a spot to like drive uh, rails into that they've pl- uh, provided. And you can see like there's already a bunch of rails like driven into the ground. Uh, aim it down to the ground. Place it firmly. Uh, watch your feet. <laughs> Don't want to uh, pin your, your, your feet to the floor. That would be unfortunate. There's a couple blood stains on the floor. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and then Haru does as instructed. And then pull. You know, brace yourself and pull this trigger. Does so. Chunk. Woo woo. Haru's even like that is way too close to like, even make. Yeah, noise. like Rachel. Yeah. Flicks. I would think that noise is something that Daisy put into her own gun. Oh, okay. Uh, I figured it was made it because it was steam driven, but. Well, kind of. Maybe it makes a whistling sound, but not like... Yeah, it's more like a a, a teapot whistling sort of sound. Yeah, that, that I can see. But similar enough, like, Rachel flicks her eyes over to Daisy, like... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, these are very fine. They'll, they'll definitely allow the Iron Dragon to lay down a lot of rail. Would you mind if I tried to talk to the inventor of this sometime before really closing in this deal? know some finer workings of it. She, uh... looks nervous for a second as well. We, um, actually purchased the patent for this from Smith and Robards. Smith and Robards, eh? Hmm. Yes. Okay, well... 
So you would have to talk to them to find out who the inventor was. Probably one of their employees, I would imagine. No, obviously. But yeah. it was a uh, uh, production line they were not uh, producing. So they, they put the patent up for sale, and we had the facilities and the capability to produce it, so we bought it. Okay, well, you all have a great yeah, setup here and all that. Um, I need to um, get on the telegraph with those in the Iron Dragon, and... Um, yeah, let them know what I think about this place, which it right now seems y'all have a great setup here. I like I like what you're doing. These guns like yeah, that will just improve the the efficiency of Iron Dragon's ability to rail, lay rail throughout the West. Excellent. I, I am pleased to hear that. I look forward to uh uh hearing your offer. Alright, we'll get back to you soon. You all start to, to walk out, um, and you're just at the door when uh, Elysian Cordova says, Oh, pardon me, Ms. Gilmore? Yes? I almost forgot. I apologize. My father regrets that he was not able to meet with you and asks if you would be willing to join us for dinner tomorrow night. Certainly. Excellent. I'll, be, I'll uh, pass the word on to him. He's looking forward to meeting you. Just me, or are my? Uh, yes, yes, I uh, uh, certainly. It'll be a pleasure. I uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow, and and to hearing back on on Iron Dragon's offer. Well, I hope I hear back from, from the folks. But yeah, we should buy then. I mean, telegraph travels fast. Yes, it does, doesn't it? All right, a good day. Uh, you head out. So you like walk down the street away from the factory. Rachel turns to Daisy and says, "I feel like those people—they've got your father." It seems like they might. She seems a little shifty. It used to be my line of work. Sometimes you just get a gut feeling about something, Daisy. And my gut is telling me that your father. Did, did you prisoner. see anything when you were looking? I didn't see anything, but just my senses are telling me, Daisy. I feel like your father, they know where he's at at the very least. Yeah, well, Smith and Robards might be worth looking into a little bit here, too, just to see where we can get with that. You know, I hate to say this, but we might be able to use the help of Mr. Beardsley. He seems adept at getting information from people. Well, unfortunately, we do not know how to contact him, so let us work both angles as best as we can. I thought, didn't he give us card to... No, he gave, um... Oh, it was to Fitz, wasn't it? Yeah, it was to Fitz. He made things difficult for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. Can't it does believe... seem like someone who could, uh, yeah, help us out. Me great when your tailor asks you so tell me what happened in Oregon. There you go, Beardsley. Well, damn, so much for that idea. Then mm-hmm. maybe maybe we'll run into him. This yeah. is well, it's a pretty big town, but I have a feeling we will be seeing him again. He doesn't seem the type to let things lie. 
And yeah, you make it back to uh, the, ambas- the, the embassy, to your quarters. And uh, we'll leave off here, but Haru, you, you get there, you call for a tailor to uh, come take your measurements. And uh, what does the tailor look like? Oh, uh, he's a nice young man. Um, really just wears, you know, a white shirt, uh, open collar, uh, you know, a nice, a nice pair of uh, pants, you know, neat, neatly, freshly made. Um, he's got a respirator on, the air's not so good. You know, he's, he's got a pair of spectacles. His eyesight's been going a little bit. And uh, he really just... He's just a nice guy. And that's where we'll end. Deadlands and Savage Worlds are the property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All content is used unofficially under the Savage Media Network license. Find more of their great products at peginc.com. Music is provided by the Eaglestone Collective. Sound effects are by Plate Battle Games and BattleBots. Aircraft effects were provided by soundjade.com. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll join us again. Have a wonderful whatever time of day it is for you, and I'll catch you next time.